Welcome to the Word Bible Study with Pastor Dan. Yeah, and I'm excited for everyone who decided to have a Bible study with me today. Dear Lord Jesus, touch our hearts and minds today, God. Bless Brandon's mouth, God. Put your word in him, God, that we will hear your word shine through, Lord. We worship you. We thank you, God, for spending time with us and allowing us to spend this time with you, Lord. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What is happening, beautiful Want me people? to take the baby while you teach? Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see if she lets you. Yeah. She's staring at you. So for everybody online, I've got one of my twins up here. She's going to help me teach today. So if you guys hear a little gooing and gone, no, it's my beautiful daughter. So how, how, how's everybody doing today? Good. Good. So we're going to jump back. Last week, we learned about the fear of God. And that, that plays a role in what I've been teaching as well. So to recap what, what I, where we left off, we went into putting on the armor of God on how we should put on the armor at all times and that our house is our stronghold, that we should be putting up our defenses in our household so when we come home we can rest. And we want, we want our spouse to be just as strong because like Dan just went through and said, we have a covenant with each other and we are made as one. So our armor is linked together. And then we also talked about going and walking confidently in God. We talked about confidence in our sins on the cross, how the cross held Jesus. So it can most definitely hold what we think is big sin is really nothing just to be held up there on the cross and never come back in. And so after, after Spahn's sermon on Sunday about digging deeper, I went through and I did a little bit more digging. I went through and started doing some more digging into it. And I found a couple things that really resonated with me. And the biggest thing I found is that we are not called to live a spiritual warfare life. We are called to live in love, joy, peace, and walk as God. Our main objective of this Bible study is to get ready for the attacks that are going to come. Not to go out and seek attacks to defy them. So... Which goes back to stating that our battles are already won. If we're going out and looking for a battle, we don't think it's already won. But when the battle comes to us, we already know it's won. So we're not going to go out and seek to fight these spiritual battles because they're all around us. That's why we keep our armor on at all times. And that was just a little tidbit that got that really resonated with me some more is that we're not called to live a spiritual warfare it's not to be our main concern that our armor is to be worn at all times but it's to be worn in defense it's to be worn so when an attack comes we have something to to combat it we have something to reflect the fiery darts and so we're gonna we're gonna continue with that because we only got a quarter way through it last time so where we're going to start off today is getting rid of all distractions. In Hebrews 12, verse 1, it says, Since we are surrounded by such huge, huge crowds of witness of life, of the faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the, great, the race God has set before us. That... It, I had to go through and read that one a couple times. God really was speaking to me about it, but I was 
having a little bit of difficulty understanding it because it's uh, just the wording of it. And what I came to realize about it is we're surrounded by people that we need to witness to all day, every day, because that's what we're called to do. We're called to spread his message. We're called to be a witness of what God can do and what God is doing. And so in order to do that in the most effective manner, we have to strip off all distractions. It doesn't matter what's happening over there because my eyes are set on what God's called me to do. So I'm going to walk confidently in that. I'm going to walk through this crowd confidently even though there's this happening, even though my daughter's being fussy while I'm trying to teach. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter because it's, it's nothing. It's nothing. So we're going to strip off all of these distractions and we're going to walk confidently. Although it might be tough, we're going to gain endurance out of that. Anybody who's tried getting in shape understands how important endurance is. The first time you go work out, the first time you go run a mile, afterwards you want to die. The second time you go run that same mile, you don't feel as bad. The third time you go run that mile, you're a little better. And by the time you get used to running that mile, you can run that mile efficiently and walk off of it like, all right, I feel good. I feel my blood pumping. I feel, I feel oxygen in my body. I feel good. I, I, can, I can go two miles now. And that's the same with our walk in Christ. The more the devil tries to attack us, the more, we are, the more endurance we build up to it. I like to use, I like to use how I got scammed as an endurance and you know what after i got done teaching that bible study and saying that devil will attack your finances because those finances aren't ours it's just our time to spend it that this this physical money is the devil's money i about got scammed out of all my money in my bank account i i went through a very legitimate scam that they would have gotten every penny in my bank account. They would have gotten over $2,000 out of my bank account. But when I thought I was talking to my bank and sending the last bit of information they needed, it wouldn't come through. The message, the text message that he was sending me to verify everything would not come through. He sent it four times and called me back. And as soon as he called me back after I told him that I'm going to take care of this at the bank, and then two minutes later, he called me back like, hey, man, can you check again? I resent it to you. I was like, all right, there's, yes, there, there's something wrong here. I went to my bank. They cross-referenced the numbers that called me, and it was a scam. The only thing they got out of my bank account after they got my password and after they got everything else was $2. So let that be a testament to endurance. I went through scams. I went through scams. I went through scams. But God had his hand over my finances. God had his hand over me because he knew that we needed this money to continue growing in what God was calling us to do. So he was like, nope, that, that last bit of information isn't going to go through. And Brandon, once you're done with work, you're going straight to the bank and you're getting this taken care of. That's good. I had something similar almost happen to me a few years ago where it was nothing short of God stepping in. And, and like bringing it to my attention so that I stopped it from being crazy too. So thank God for those little miracles we don't even notice that he does. It's, it, he surrounds us in everything that we do. And so the next one is Hebrews 12 verse two. 
Do this by keeping your eyes on Jesus, the champion who in innates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he sits in a place of honor beside God's throne. We got to keep our eyes on Jesus, and we, we get rid of all the other distractions by keeping our eyes on Jesus. I mentioned this a few weeks ago about how when you're in a fight and you get so angry, you get tunnel vision. The only thing you can see is what is making you so upset, making you so mad. And the reason why I was a good wrestler is because I was able to get into that state of mind to where nothing else mattered except me taking down my opponent, but I did not have tunnel vision. I was able to get rid of that tunnel vision. I was able to focus on where I was at on the map. I was able to focus on the time on the clock, but I had this ferocity against my opponent that closed his mind so close to where the only thing he could focus on is what I was doing. So I was able to take that neutral battlefield and turn it into a home court advantage because I was able to see everything else that was going on. And that's what God's going to do for us as well. When we keep our eyes so focused on God, when I put on my shoes, when I put on my armor that's the peace I'm walking in his footsteps. I don't need to look at the ground where I'm walking because if I'm looking at Jesus, the only thing I need to focus on is following his path because anything else around it is going to is going to frail out. Any it's like a boat. The helm of the boat cuts the wave to where it can travel smoothly. So I'm going to follow behind behind Jesus to where all of those waves are cut around and I can follow in that footstep. So, by keeping our eyes focused on Jesus, we're getting rid of the rest of, rest of the distractions. We're getting rid of the troubles that are, that are happening around us. We're getting rid of the worries that I might have to pay another $1,000 for a place that I'm not living in. Well, if I've got my eyes on focused on Jesus, that $1,000 is absolutely nothing because I know he's going to take care of everything else. I'm not going to worry about what's coming up against me because I have my eyes set on the Holy One. I have my eyes set on my Father. And He's going to show me fatherly love. He's going to protect me. He's going to lead me in the right place. And He's going to keep His hand upon me. And it wasn't until the disciple took his eyes off of Jesus that he wasn't able to walk on water. It wasn't until he took his eyes off of Jesus that he became afraid of the storm that was surrounding him. Because when he had his eyes on Jesus, he was able to walk on water to Jesus. All the way up to the point where he looked around, saw it, and instantly started to sink. But we know what happened after that. He said, Lord, save me. Reached his hand out, and there God was to pull him out of the storm. So by keeping his eyes on Jesus, he wouldn't have, been, he wouldn't have gone through that fear. He would have been able to walk straight to God, embrace God, and that would have been the end of it. He wouldn't have had to call out for help if he would have just kept his eyes on Jesus and got rid of the distractions that was the storm that was swallowing them. And so that is a big part on it, getting rid of your distractions. And that goes, that goes for just about everything that you do. That goes as far as talking with your boss at work. It goes about the frustration at work. <laughs> it goes with, with what you're watching. 
goes with what you're watching on TV, what you're listening to, what you're doing at the household, what you're doing. Everything can be a distraction. My hobbies can be a distraction. Me going out and doing things that I know I shouldn't be doing at that time because I should be doing something else is a distraction. So if we get rid of all of that, we're going to have a much easier, we're going to have a much clearer path set before us. And Dave, then dancing up your smacking at flies is a distraction. <laughs> I'm just testing Brandon. <laughs> Every week. <laughs> and so the next thing we get into is seeking his will. If we get rid of his distractions, if we're walking confidently, and we have on our armor, what should we be doing? We should be seeking his will. Because that's going to make everything easier. It's Seeking his will is the equivalent to Google. You have a question about something, you go on Google, blah yada yada you pull up the results and you get it. Lord, what should I be doing? What is your will for me? This is my will, now go do it. Now we're getting rid of some of those distractions that we don't have to worry about because we know what his will is. We're keeping eyes on him. We're walking confidently and we have our armor on. So when we incorporate all of these into one and we start seeking his will, not our will, not what we think should be done, but seeking his actual will, things are going to become a little bit easier. Things are going to make a little bit more sense. Things aren't going to be so heavy. Because if you know it's the will of God, you know it's already yours. And so we're going to look at Proverbs 3 verse 1 for this. Child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. So... A lot of people are like, well, I don't know what God's will is for me. Well, that's because you're not praying and that's because you're not reading your Bible. That's why you don't know it. We know what his will is. We have written scripture from God on what his will is. His will didn't change just because we've gone through decades in time. He is a God that's not changing. So his will is not going to change. His will for us isn't going to change. If he told us one thing, he's not going to flip the scripts once we're there and be like, you know what, no, that, that's not what I meant. Sorry, you guys, you misunderstood that. I really need you to go back to where you were. That's not going to happen. So if we store his commands in our heart, if we read his scripture, know what his will was from the beginning, that takes out a lot of confusion on what we should be doing. Because we're storing his commands in our heart, which, by faith, he's living in our heart. So, we've got God in our heart. He's making it deep. And now we've got his word to help the Holy Spirit guide us through this. Now, it, now, now it's all starting to come. Now it's all starting to make sense. In Proverbs 3 and 2, you do, if you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. The biggest thing that stuck out to me was not what was not you will live many years because I really don't care if I live many years. I'm going to do what God's called me. And when I'm off this earth, I'm off this earth and I'm residing next to him. And until then, I'm going to be working as hard as I can to get everybody on this earth safe so I don't have to live through this world anymore. I can go take my ultimate vacation. But what stuck with me is your life will be satisfying. 
your life will be satisfying. If we seek his will, it, we're going to be satisfied. We're not going to continue to want more things. We're not going to continue to want to go off and do this. We're going to be satisfied with what we're doing for God. Because what we're doing for God is what we should have been doing the entire time. And so now that I realize this, you know, my life is getting a little easier since I started following his commandments. I, you know, I am walking around with a little bit more joy when, when I walk now. You know, when I go into work, I do have a little bit more peace now that I'm following his will. And I'm living in the manner that he commanded me to live in. It's kind of funny how when we start following and obeying what God told us to do, how things get easier when we thought the entire time before we came to this realization that it's going to be so much harder. If I follow this, I'm not going to be able to have fun. If I do this, I'm not going to be able to do that. Well, that's because that's not God's will. So no, you're not going to be able to go out and get drunk every single night. No, you're not going to be able to go out and give in to your sin pleasure and make yourself feel feel great and then when you wake up in the morning feel terrible and feel dirty instead you're going to go do the will of god and you're going to feel clean you're going to start living a more righteous lifestyle and when you start living a more righteous lifestyle that's just another stepping stone that gets you closer to the will of god and it also strengthens everything else because a righteous man's prayer has power when you start praying out of righteousness for other people, you'll be amazed on how easily it's it's accepted, how easily it's done. That's right. And in Proverbs 3 and 3, let loyalty and kindness, never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep into your heart. Once again, he's talking about your heart. We should be storing all of this in our heart. One, it's the closest thing we can equate to a soul here on earth. When somebody thinks of a soul, you kind of get this picture that it's right next to your heart. Because your heart kind of co-aligns with your soul. Your heart leads you to what your soul desires. And so, we store all of this in our heart. We shouldn't let kindness leave you. Because we should be showing charity at all times. We're called to show charity at all times. We should always be kind because can we ever think of a time that God was not kind to somebody who came before him? Can you guys think of a time that God was not kind even when he was upset with his disciples because they were not getting something? Did he speak to them out of frustration or did he speak to them out of a calm tone that was kind but firm? No, this is not what I am talking about. This is the true meaning of what I am talking about. So if we store kindness next to us and we don't let it leave us, and if we put it around our neck, it doesn't stay, say to put it in your shirt. It doesn't say to keep it in your pockets. It says to put it around your neck as a necklace. Because if we wear it as a necklace, that's something that everybody else around us is going to see. In Proverbs 3 and 4, you will find favor with God and people, and you will earn a good reputation. That just speaks for itself. If I can find favor with God, I know, my, I know life's going to get a little bit easier. If I, if I have God's favor on my side, I, I might be a little tempted to go up to the casino and roll some dice. Because 
I don't know what's going to happen there. If I got God's favor, he, he might just throw a little extra blessings my way. And so I'm going to continue to live as if I've got God's favor, favor on my side because I do. Because I'm seeking his will. I'm following his will. So if I'm following his will, he's going to make it easier for me. And he's going to do this by giving me favor, favor among men and among spiritual standpoints. Proverbs 3 and 6. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. I love these scriptures that are short, sweet, and pack a message. Because it only says a few words, but it says so much than what these words physically say. Seek his will in all you do. Not in some things that you do. Don't seek his will while you're just in church. Don't seek his will while you're just studying your Bible. Don't seek his will while you're up here teaching. Seek your will, his will, while you're watching TV. Give all glory to God in everything that you do. So we've started watching some more, some more Christian shows. We've been watching some more study shows like um, there's a movie on Saul, there's a movie on David. We don't take everything as biblical to it, but if I can sit down and watch Game of Thrones, I can sit down and watch a Christian show and let the glory be to God while I'm watching that. Instead of sitting down and watching something that's putting a message of despair, a message of how to catch a murderer in, in an hour, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to give glory to God by watching something that represents Him. I'm not going to take everything that they say biblically. I'm not going to take everything they say as scripture and go off and start teaching messages off of this TV show that I watch. But I am going to give glory to God while I'm watching TV by watching something that gives glory to him. So that you can give glory to God in everything you do. If you're sitting there and whittling a stick by a campfire, give glory to God that you have a knife that you can sit there and carve something to give to your son. If you're sitting there eating dinner, give glory to God that he put food on your table to nourish your body. If you've got to go to the doctor, give glory to God that he put a doctor in your life that knows you and can help you with all the small battles of your physical body. That way, when something big comes up, you can be like, don't worry about this, doctor. I know you don't understand what's going on, but at the end of this, I promise, I'll sit down and I'll teach you what's going on. I'll teach you why none of this cancer stuck to my body. I'll teach you why this radiation only works so well. And then when I started in praying and fasting, you saw more results than what you did there. I'm going to show you. I'm going to give glory to God because he's the one who deserves the glory. You're here to help my body start to fight these immunes and start repairing itself. But... I, this isn't a physical battle. It's a physical battle to a certain standpoint. And I'm going to use the medicine to help fight that. But once the medicine's done all of it can do, and this is still attacking my body, I know somebody that I'm already giving glory to because he's already working wonders in my body. And once you see this, we'll sit down and we'll talk about that afterwards. That's good. And so I like to call this the Book of Z because I have no clue how to pronounce it. So I'll butcher it and let you guys try to find it. The Book of Zephaniah. All right, so I, was, I wasn't wrong. I just thought I was. Um, seek the Lord 
All who are humble and follow his commands. Seek to do what is right and live humbly. Perhaps even yet the Lord will protect you. Protect you from his anger on the day of destruction. This one gives us a little bit more insight on how to live for him. He tells us not to boast. If you're going to boast, boast in the Lord. We should live humbly on everything that we do. I should not view myself as better than anybody on this earth. Because I'm not better. What's better is the spirit that's living in me. What's better is the spirit that's guiding me. And what's better is the God that I serve. That's the only thing that's better about me than Joe down the street. The only thing that's better about me is I know I'm filled with his Holy Spirit and it's guiding me. That doesn't mean I'm better than Joe because without God inside of me, I am no better than Joe. Without the Holy Spirit living inside of me, without God without God inside of me, I'm still just an alcoholic. Without all without God's divine intervention inside of my life, I am just Brandon Drake Obajenski. But with God inside of me, you best believe I'm Brandon Drake Obajenski. Just a little something I like. I've got the bars for it. (laughs) So there's, Paul believes that there's another piece of armor that wasn't brought up in Ephesians. And I agree with him. It's prayer. This is something that is so underestimated by just about every Christian that I knew. By everybody that I knew. It is something so powerful so big that people think that it doesn't have small applications. People think you go to prayer just when in the time of your need. People think you just go to prayer because they're discouraged because they didn't understand what prayer was meant for. They didn't understand what prayer was. They sat there and prayed, Lord, can you please do this for me? Lord, can you give me this? Lord, can you do this? Lord, can you do this? Lord, and when it didn't happen, when it didn't work, when they didn't receive what they prayed for, when they didn't win the Powerball, even though they prayed all night long, all week long, and prayed their absolute heart and soul out to win the Powerball, and it didn't happen, they got discouraged. That's not what prayer is meant for. Prayer is our direct link to God. If I have a question, I pray. If I have something going on in my life that I don't understand, I pray. Because God is God not the author and creator of this world. So does he not know everything that's going on? If I want to know something about the Bible, I can go to Dan and I can ask Dan, Hey, Dan, what what does the Bible mean here? But if that's something God hasn't shown Dan already, Dan can't tell me what it is. But I can pray to God, God... I don't understand what your scripture means by this. I'm confused. He can be like, this is what it means, Brandon. This is what I meant by this. So, in everything we do, we should be praying. We have the Holy Spirit that is an advocate for us. Advocate means, is more of a lawyer term. Our prayer, when we pray in the Spirit, we have the Holy Spirit as our advocate presenting our prayer directly to Christ and taking out all of our filler words, 
all of the stuff that doesn't really matter inside of our prayer. He is translating it to God what our prayer meant fully because it is our Holy Spirit praying about it. We don't know what we're praying about, but we know that we're praying about something heavy. We know we're praying with power. We know that we're praying about something that really, really matters to us, but we don't know exactly what we're saying because the advocate took that over and now is presenting it to God. So we have a direct link to God with our prayer. We should be praying about everything we do. My baby girl would not go to sleep the other night. She would not go to sleep. She wouldn't. It's 2 o'clock in the morning, and she's sitting there crying, sitting there screaming. I put on my armor because I should be wearing my armor at all times. I put on my armor because I don't know about all the other parents, but when my baby starts screaming and crying in a certain pitch, in a certain tone, I have something that arises in me that I can only equate to the old version of the Hulk. That just because it's in front of me, I'm going to smash it, I'm going to throw it, and I'm going to just destroy everything. I have this anger that arises from me that I just can't control because something that something in that octone hits something in my brain that just absolutely makes me cringe, makes me, makes me want to just go on a destructive path. So I put on my armor. Not that I was ignoring the screams of my child. I was letting the armor take the brunt of what was causing me to be distracted on why my daughter was crying, why my daughter was upset. So I sat there and I held her and rocked with her for about 30 minutes and she still wouldn't stop screaming. But instead of getting mad, instead of getting frustrated, I put on my armor, I put on my shield of faith that I have faith that everything's going to be worked out so her screams and cries don't matter. She's just trying to communicate. I understand you're trying to communicate, but I can't listen to that right now because you're going to send me into a rage. You're going to make me want to sit you in a corner, walk out of the room, and let you just cry yourself to sleep. And I'm not going to do that. I'm going to put on my armor. I'm going to let my armor take the brunt of that spiritual attack. I'm going to let that armor guide me so I can be a father. And once I came to the realization after holding her for 40 minutes that I can't take care of this. No matter what I do, no matter what my wife does, our child still is just will not go to sleep. So I prayed about it. I reminded God. I was like, hey, Lord, I had something you and me need to talk about right now. It's got to deal with your daughter. You, you remember when we dedicated our children to you, Lord? Do you remember when we went to the altar and dedicated our children to you? I understand that Paige is not my daughter. I am here to raise my daughter in the image of you. I am here to take care of your daughter while we are here on earth. I am here to raise your daughter. I am here to be a father to your daughter. She is not my daughter, but she is your daughter because I gave her to you. There is nothing else I can do right now, Lord. I'm starting to lose my cool. My wife lost her cool already. I sent her to the bedroom to go get some sleep. It's me, you, and your daughter in this room right now. I need you to come down, and I need you to be a father to your daughter right now because there is nothing else I can do. 
I admit defeat in this aspect, and I hand my daughter to you. I need you to come down, and I need you to be a father to your daughter. I need you to be a father to the daughter that I am raising. Because although I show, show her you, she needs to know who you are in this moment. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why she won't stop crying. I've done everything I physically can do. I need you to come down, and I need you to be a father to your daughter right now. And as soon as I got done talking to God about our relationship with our daughter, as soon as I stopped praying, she set her head on my chest, and she slept the entire night through. You, Don't guys. think prayer is just meant for your giants and just meant for your big things. Prayer is meant for everything because the more I talk to God, the closer I am to God. I don't. I, I can't know what's going on with Nan if I don't call and talk to him on a weekly basis. I can't know what's happening in the body of Christ if I don't talk to the body. If I don't talk to everybody here, I don't know what's going on with them. I can't create a relationship if I don't talk to them. That's all prayer is. Prayer is no longer sending up burnt sacrifices, reciting a written passage, and saying amen. That is no longer what prayer is. God got rid of all of that. And he said prayer is a conversation between me and you. And so there's different levels of prayer. If I'm praying as a righteous man, if I'm praying for other people, I 100% expect it to be done in that week. Because I've seen it happen every single time that I've prayed righteously for somebody out of an earnest prayer. And prayed in according to his will. If you pray according to his will, if you pray according to God's will with an earnest prayer, there is absolutely no doubt in your mind that that prayer was not heard and that prayer is not going to be assessed and dealt with. It's not going to be done how you think it's going to be done, but that's why we seek his will. If we seek his will, we will start to understand a little bit more of how God does things. We're not going to understand it without knowing who he is. I can't go up to somebody randomly on the street and be like, Hey man, my house just caught on fire. I don't have gas money to get to work today. Can you spot me $20? I promise I'll pay you back. I can't go up to somebody that I don't have a relationship and ask that. But I can go up to somebody that I have a good standing relationship with and be like, Hey man, I need $20 for gas this week. And I'm going to receive that $20 for gas because I have a relationship with that person. We can't make a relationship without prayer. God spent so much time on earth praying. Everything he did, he prayed about. Every, he was revolved around prayer. That was his one direct link to God. It's how he communicated. It's how he asked for guidance was through prayer. So we're called to live like Christ. We're called to act like Christ. We're called to have the attitude of Christ. And if we pray... We're going to start to receive that. Things are going to be a little bit easier. My faith is going to come to a little bit more understanding because I'm talking to God about the situation that I'm going through that I don't understand. And in return, he's going to start telling me, all right, keep your faith. Don't worry about it. I've got you. 
Don't worry about it. I've got you. We're, we've we've made this strong connection to where I don't have to feel guilty about praying about anything anymore. I pray when I wake up. I pray when I'm on my way to work. I pray while I'm at work because I want to be filled with God. I want to be closer to God. So the more I pray, the easier it is going to be for me to pray. The more understanding I'm going to have about prayer. I thought that I had to declare my sins to God after after I was sinning. After I was done sinning, I thought that's when I go declare to God. But after spending a month in prayer with earnest prayer, I came to the realization that that was absolutely foolish. You really don't think that God's sin there watching you sin? You really think he needs you to tell him that you're sinning? Through prayer, I realized, you know, why don't I just pray to God while I'm sinning about my sin? And maybe he's going to show me how not to sin. It was a revelation to me. It was something so simply stupid that I didn't think of before that just dawned on me. I'm like, wow. If I just start praying while I'm in the midst of my sin, I'm probably going to stop that sin. That sin's probably going to stop right then and there because I am now got a direct link to the old, to the holy God. And if I got a direct link to the holy God, any sin around me is going to want to flee. Not that I'm going to make it flee, that it's not going to want to be in his presence because it knows it can't be in his presence. So now I've stopped that sin in that moment now i've realized my sin now i'm already repenting so instead of having to live with this guilt for a week because i was pr i started to pray as soon as i started realizing what i was doing was a sin now i've got a better understanding i'm not tempted by it because i have i had a relationship with god about it while i was doing it so the sin was fresh in my mind and god's answer to that sin came right after it and you know, that's so powerful, Brandon, that we've got to learn to not just want forgiveness for our sins, but we should want to eradicate the sin out of our life. And that's the difference that Brandon's talking about right here, is that we so many times we just want to run to God after we sin and say, okay, God, forgive for what I just did. But it's like, it's like your child, if he keeps breaking the same thing, you, yeah, you can replace it every time he breaks it, but I want to teach him not to break it. Like, and that's what we should be desiring is to not just have God forgive me every time I mess up, but God teach me how not to mess up. Very good, Brandon. And through all of this, we're gonna we're gonna develop endurance. Let's not forget that the devil is persistent. Your prayer should be even more persistent than the devil's attacks. If you can't pray away your attacks, what are you doing? You're letting him attack. You're sitting down and admitting defeat. There, the more you pray about things, the clearer things become. It doesn't mean just because... So for me, for example, I'm going to take something personal in my walk with Christ that I've grown in, but I'm still being attacked, but in different ways. I stopped lust, lusting on the internet. I got rid of lust on the internet, and I felt great about it. The first time I turned away the temptation, I felt stronger. I was like, all right, you, you can do this. You can do this. And so when it popped up in my head again, I was like, nope, we're good. We're good. 
popped up a week later. Nope, I'm, I'm still good. You, you can keep waiting for me to fall, but it's not going to happen. All right, so you no longer lust, lust over the internet now? All right, that's fine. I got you, Brandon. I'm the devil. I work in all sorts of ways. I'm going to start making you think about how beautiful that woman is each time she walks past you now. I wasn't, I wasn't lustfully thinking that way when I was lusting on the internet, but he changed his attack. And so I started realizing that. I'm like, man, where is this coming from? I thought I got rid of lust in my, in my heart. I thought I did away with lust. I'm no longer going to the internet in the dark of the hour. I, I got rid of this. Where is this coming from? Oh, yeah, the devil's persistent. That, that's where it's coming from. Lord, how, how do I deal with this? Because I feel, I feel guilty about these thoughts. That's all right, Brandon. Just because a thought popped up in your mind doesn't mean you have to dwell with it. The same way when you realized you were sinning and you instantly came to me, you no longer started sinning. So you can't stop that right now from coming into your head. But through endurance, you'll be able to block that out. But that's not going to happen today. Understand that it's not going to happen today. But each time you allow your mind to... Each time that thought pops up in your mind, and as soon as it pops up in your mind, you recognize it, you deal with it, and you cast it out of your mind, I don't hold you accountable for that sin of lust because that sin was of your flesh and your spirit dealt with it. Your spirit didn't fantasize about that woman and your spirit said, no longer are you allowed to dwell in my mind. Be gone. That's, yeah, that's Battle good. of the mind. Good. And so I really, I really can't understate how important prayer is. It, it is so simple, but it is so powerful. If we pray about everything that we're coming up against, we are going to have a sense of joy. We're going to get a sense of peace about it. Because now we have the assurance and our physical mindset we have assurance. All right, I prayed to God about this, so I know God knows it. Physically, I know God knows it because I told him about it. There is no way that he doesn't know that this is going on because I told him about it. So now we're going to start to work on it. So if nothing else, it is selfish to pray all the time. It's selfish to want to know this, know this, know this. But I should be selfish with my walk in God. I should want everything that God's got once has for me. I should want absolute the entire piece of the pie. But I should also be willing to share that. And so it's like it's like Spider-Man. With great great power comes great responsibility. With great knowledge comes great responsibility. If I store everything that I learn through the Spirit and everything that I learn about scriptures and I become a Pharisee and just hold it within me and think that I'm better than everybody else instead of going out and preaching, preaching his message, what good is it? Because I'm not doing his will. Prayer strengthens you so much. You don't think that just praying, Lord, can you get rid of this frustration? I've had a really long day. I can't handle this. I'm, about, I'm at my breaking point. And having an earnest prayer, having a real relationship, a real conversation. God, I can't take this anymore. 
I need you to come down and handle this. I am at my breaking point. I don't know what else to do. The devil's attacking me. I'm fed up. I'm mad. I'm angry. I can't take care of this. I need you to come down and intervene. Or just thanking him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for allowing me to wake up today. Thank you. The more we pray, the closer we are to God. And the next thing on putting on your armor to fight your battles is unity. This is something that we see throughout everything in the Bible. There's nothing that you see that doesn't have unity. There's nothing in the Bible that is done just by one thing. The disciples had 12 disciples. Jesus had 12 followers. The Pharisees had other teachers. Everybody had something. The body of Christ is not one person. The body of Christ is many. In Psalms 133, how wonderful and pleasant pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. Chapter 2. For harmony is precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head, that ran down his beard and onto the border of his robe. Harmony is a refreshing is as refreshing as the dew from the Mount Hermon that falls off of Mount Zion. And and there the Lord has pronounced his blessings, even life everlasting. Unity is the bond between people. Unity is knowing that I can go to Nan and Sam when I don't know what to do. Unity was going over to Nan and Sam's house when I physically couldn't stay in my house any longer because if I was inside of my house for another minute, things were going to erupt like a volcano and things were going to get really bad. So I didn't have to call Nan and Sam like, hey, you guys, I really need to come over right now. Can, do you guys have time for me to come over? No, I went over, went down to the shop, grabbed Brian, like, hey, Sam, I'm going to take Brian upstairs for you. Yes, I can actually work now. Yes. Go up, spend time with Brian. Unity is calling Dan, hey, I need prayer. I, I need prayer for this situation, Dan. Because when, if my prayer is this strong, how much stronger is prayer when two of us are praying about the same thing? I can break one piece of rope. Two pieces of rope's even harder to break. Now I've got three pieces of rope that are braided together, that are unity, that are eight times stronger than that single individual piece of rope. Chainmail is not one single piece of loop that stops a fiery arrow. Chainmail is the armor that goes underneath all of your other armor. So when that armor fails, you still have one piece of armor that has multiple, multiple connections to create one piece of armor. So when all of my other armor is broken down and so battered and tattered that I'm starting to really feel these attacks, I can go over to Nan 
I can go over to Dan and say, hey, you guys, we need to get together. We need to pray about this because I know if we're all praying about this, I'm going to receive a spirit of endurance through you guys. I'm going to receive a spirit of thankfulness that I'm still standing, that yes, I've taken a few attacks, but I am still standing. I am going to get a crutch to help me walk the rest of this battle because through unity, they want to help me. They don't want to see me struggle. They don't want to see me fall. If they see me broken, lying on the ground, they're not going to walk past me and say, pity's for the weak. They're going to pick me up and be like, come on, man, we got to get back on our feet. Here's some bread. Here's some water. Here's this scripture that I was led to. Now let's get, let's get back up on that horse. But I'm not going to receive all of that if I'm not unified, if we don't have unity. And then in Psalms chapter 17, verse 23. I am in them, and you are in me. May they express such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love me as much as I love them, as much as you love me. This is talking about our unity between us and Christ. If I am... If I am so unified with God that I walk in, if you listen to Xavier's message on Wednesday, he talked about his boss, when first time he saw his boss, how his boss or this lady came into the workplace and had just this presence about her that completely changed the atmosphere, that made people that were antisocial, social, and made problems that used to be big problems no longer problems and just brought in this presence of peace and joy that's because she she had such unity with God that it resonated out of her so if i am completely unified with God if i'm seeking his will if i'm walking in in God's confidence if i've got his armor on if i'm praying if I'm seeking his will, if I'm doing what he's telling me to do, if I'm being obedient, I am unified with God because he is living inside of me. He's made his roots deep inside of my heart. So he's got a firm grasp on me. He's walking with me. He's walking beside me. And I'm giving off this godly presence. That's going to go noticed. There's going to be something different. You sit there and watch, watch people teach, and you don't notice something about them when they're out walking, walking in the congregation. But halfway through the service, you start, start seeing this, this godly presence about them. You start seeing that, wow, God really did anoint them. You start seeing this presence that is coming to full fruition out of them because they're working through the Holy Spirit in unity with God. So they have, they have God's presence just emerging out of them. And if I can have God's presence emerging out of me and have his, have his armor on that he designed for us, that he designed for himself, it says put on the armor of God. Let that sink in a little bit. Put on the armor of God. Not the armor of man. 
It says to lay down all earthly weapons. So I'm, I'm going to lay my knife down when I come up against that. You know what? The CPL is not going to do anything against that. I'm, I'm going to lay that down too. I'm going to pick up my Bible though. I'm going to pick up my sword of the spirit. And I'm going to use that. Because none of that's going to work. But I'm so unified with God. I'm so involved with God. I'm so enwrapped by him. I'm led by the Spirit. I'm working, over, I'm working through the authority of God that I know when I talk to somebody about their daughter is seeing a spirit that holds two knives and says, come play with me up in the attic at night. Something that truly scared them. When I start for, first started getting into spiritual warfare, I knew that I didn't have to go to the house to rebuke the spirit. I knew that if I sat down with the mother and told her to read these scriptures, read these scriptures with me, what do you think this stands for? What is going on in your household? Do you, do you believe in God? I grew up as a pastor's child. Well, that's gonna make it a little bit easier for me. I grew up as a pastor's child, but my father said, I hope God strikes you down up on the altar because you're so rebellious. And I told her, well, that wasn't God speaking. That was, that was the fault of man. So let me reassure you, that's not what God had for you. And so we were able to sit down. I was able to sit with her, communicate, you know what? Not every spirit that you think is demonic is demonic. Do you think maybe this is God calling you to grab your Bible and start to get to know him now that you have a family? She's like... It, it might be. I was like, I don't think it's a might be. I think this is something that's calling you to wake up. So let's pray over your daughter. We're going to send you guys home with a prayer cloth because I've read my Bible. I know what the scripture tells me to do. I know that I work through the authority of God. And I know I'm being led by the Holy Spirit because I could feel the Holy Spirit leading me through scriptures to give her. She went home. And at the end of this conversation, when I'm explaining what a prayer cloth is to her daughter, she goes, These, this is going to go up underneath your bed next to your crystals. I looked at her. The Holy Spirit told me, stop, stop. What did she just say? I looked at her really shocked. I was like, what did you just say? She's got crystals up underneath her bed that she thinks protects her. I was like, when you get home, take those crystals out from underneath her bed. This might sound silly, but I just told you that this is a spiritual warfare. You just gave that vessel power and gave, gave this vessel, which is a crystal, which is a vessel. It is an object that can hold things. You just gave this object power and diminutive inside of your household. You welcome this spirit inside of your household by saying that this crystal that has no authority, this crystal that has no power can do things that are greater than God. This crystal can do things that God's not doing. This crystal can do things that you think God won't do for you. You gave those crystals power and now you're seeing what's happening to it. So I need you to get rid of those crystals. Get those crystals out of your house. And put this in place of God. And put those in place for God, and get rid of those crystals. She started reading her Bible, 
her and her husband started reading her Bible. They are now looking for a church to regularly attend. And I told the little girl, next time you see, see this little boy, because I refuse to call it a demon. I refuse to call it a spirit. I refuse to give it any sort of power that did not belong to it. I said, when you see this little boy, I want you to tell this to him. My father, Jesus, said we can no longer play. I need you to go home now. She saw the spirit two days later, and she said, My father said we can't play anymore. You need to go home, and it vanished, and it has not returned back to the house. Because of prayer, because of prayer, I knew that I could go through and I could help this family out because I understood that it wasn't me doing these things. I knew through prayer, I knew through involving myself with God, that I am just a vessel that contains God's spirit. I was called to do greater works than what God did on this earth. So should I have shied away from, from that? Should I have said, you know what, let, let me call my pastor, let me talk to some people, and let me get back to you on that, and we'll, we'll figure something out? No, I was called to live like Christ. I had my armor on, I was being led by the Spirit, and the, more, the hours before I came and taught on spiritual warfare, I was able to teach with more confidence because I was starting to already go through things. Not, not that it was something I was looking for, but something that was brought to me, I was able to handle with God's authority and God's power. Because of everything that I had researched, everything that I was praying about. I don't like to teach things that I haven't experienced. I don't like to come up here and talk about things that I haven't gone through. Because I don't, I don't, feel, I don't feel right about teaching something that I can't say definitely and give realistic answers. Because everybody wants an answer that they can relate to. So I'm going to do my job to the fullest. And so before I could come up here and teach on spiritual warfare, something that I had a very good understanding about, I needed to practice it a little bit. Because if I don't have faith in something that I'm teaching, does, do I really have faith in it at all? And so it, it's amazing how God works. You pray, you put on his armor, you walk confidently, you follow what he tells you, you're obedient to him, and watch your problems go away. Watch you start to win your battles, because they're already won. And we're going to finish up a little early today. Let's, let's end in prayer. Let's end what a good prayer. place to end. Let's practice what he's been teaching today. So bow your heads with me. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this time in your word, God. Thank you for blessing us, Lord, and spending your time with us, Lord, and allowing us to feel your presence, Lord. We want to grow in our knowledge of you, Lord. We want to study to show ourselves approved, God. Thank you for helping us sharpen our sword, Lord, and helping us prepare our armor, God, that we will put it on, Lord, and shine and reflect you in this world, Lord. We worship you and praise you and ask you to touch everybody who heard this message today, Lord, that it will be a protection for them in their life. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.